the very latest from our local ag industry. The Farming Show with Dylan Honkoop is next on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. Now you can mow, dig, grade, haul, and more with the perfect solution for your property, a Branson tractor. Save your back and your wallet with one of our compact but powerful tractors here at Farmers Equipment Company. Stop by and choose from our full line of Bransons to take on your toughest tasks. With tractors from 19 to 55 horsepower, we have a Branson compact or utility tractor that is perfect for you. Want to use a rotary cutter to tame that tall brush on your property? You can do that. What about snagging a scoop from that pile of gravel to maintain your driveway free of potholes? You can do that too. Branson's six-year warranty along with our factory trained technicians will make sure your new tractor is always running great. Get the tractor you want and the peace of mind you need at Farmers Equipment Company. To learn more, visit us online at FarmersEquip.com or stop by our locations in Linden or Burlington today. Farmers Equipment Company, serving the Pacific Northwest for over 86 years. As a police officer for 25 years, Tasha Dykstra-Thompson was a voice for those someone tried to silence. As our representative, Tasha will once again be a voice for those who've been ignored because Olympia is ignoring our students who've fallen behind. They don't care that their extreme policies have made things less safe and less affordable. But Tasha is different. With Tasha Dykstra-Thompson, we will finally have a representative who will fight for us. I'm Tasha Dykstra-Thompson. Families in our community should be able to afford a home here, but government regulations can add up to $50,000 to the price of an average home. And property taxes keep going up, even if your income goes down. My plan calls for cuts to property taxes and reducing regulations that add to the cost of a home. Read my plan at Tasha.com. That's T-A-W-S-H-A dot com. Paid for by friends of Tasha Dykstra-Thompson. We talk about farming on land a lot here on The Farming Show. Welcome back on your Saturday morning. Dylan Honkoop with you here on KGMI. What we don't talk about nearly enough is the farming that doesn't happen on land that happens in the water. And uh, particularly, I, I know where you're going. If you're, you're from Whatcom County, you're probably thinking of Drayton Harbor. And that's where we are this morning at the Drayton Harbor Oyster Company, looking out over their farm land, essentially, I guess is what it is. Uh, we've got Mark Seymour and Kat Guerra here, both with the farm. Uh, Mark, your dad was involved with Star this and you've been involved with it since almost the beginning kind of thing yeah there's a there's a picture on the wall behind me i'm six years old walking around like <laughs> eel grass beds out in drayton harbor um, nice we don't know how we got here other than like this you know my dad had the history in it um back in the 80s um you know i moved back to town from california fish biologist background as well and uh, started this up just i wanted to work with my old man wanted to work for myself didn't know what that meant didn't yeah. know what went into it other than a lot of hard work and man to see where we are right now it's just it's we do pinch ourselves cat reminds me all the time about how special this is <laughs> i kind of lose sight of it just because it's you know yeah you work a lot um and you tend to lose sight of it but yeah we've created something really special up here so you're farming oysters correct how does that work just in a total nutshell super simple for yeah, easy, not smart not mm-hmm, fishing people mm-hmm. like me how does it work yeah the easiest way to break down oyster farming is that you start with 
a very small animal, um, you know, either a free swimming animal basically mm-hmm. becomes two millimeters in the matter of weeks, becomes half inch in the matter of months, becomes um, market ready to sell in about a year and a half if mm-hmm. we really do it right. We're handling them, you know, each individual oyster is getting handled about once every three months. Um, we don't have fences to keep them in. We don't have to water them. We don't have to so they feed just them. Sit on the bottom kind of thing. Yeah, it's it's a very labor intensive industry. Um, yeah. They, some do sit on the bottom, but we tend to grow more of like a, I compare it to craft brew. You know, it's it's mm. much more hands-on, yeah. um, smaller scale, labor intensive. But bottom line is it's, you have an animal in this bay that starts as, you know, microscopic in a year and a half if you do it right. Yep. Um, you end up with this awesome product and it's a living animal that's really a, a huge um, net environmental positive out there. It's cleaning the bay, it's mm. creating habitat, um, and then it goes into the... You know, when you eat this thing, it's it's a huge protein source as well. So it's really right. neat to to be able to create something out of nothing. You know, if 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 we take care of the bay, if we take care of the oysters, yeah. you really create something out of nothing, and it's just mind blowing to watch back, like stand back and watch that happen. Yeah. Well, the growth that you guys have seen in recent years, and just how the public has embraced what's going on here. I, I want to talk about Oyster Fest yeah. that you guys just had last yeah. weekend. I know I wanted to get you guys on the show before Oyster Fest to promote it. It sounds like it didn't need to because the hordes of people came yeah, out and you, you know, guys were so cat, busy. Gosh, like, we yeah. don't even have time to, to chat about this ahead of time. We're just it, going it was, 24-7. Man, Oyster Fest was something. It was, uh, I think I came up with a, a bit of a, a layout really late in the morning. I was in here shucking oysters till I think 2 a.m. the day before. Wow. Um, Kat and I were down here bright and early the next day setting up and I think we caught eyes a couple times as we watched this line develop and it was like, like what 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 is this um, i saw people posting about it on social media yeah. you know not any just general public that showed up here and i'm like yeah, that looks like it's going pretty well <laughs> it drew a lot of people to town you know i think her and i both were really um we had a lot of folks work we had a lot of volunteers um we i had my my eyes down just shucking oysters yeah. the whole time i know she was dealing with customers a lot but overall i mean i went back and i've watched a lot of videos and i just see a, i've you know keep on telling cat i'm like man i'm just counting smiles like everybody is smiling and i, I think it's celebrating what we know we have here in blaine which is something yeah. really special and unique um, it's celebrating a product that, that has a story behind it. This is a family-run business, which is another component that I think people really grasp onto. Yeah. Um, the, the coolest compliment I got that day was um, that people think it's, you know, this business and this event went so well because I do have a big family behind me. But for, for some reason, we're able to make folks feel like they're a part of the family, you know. Mm. And um, my dad, my old man, like he's, he's a very personable guy that yeah. loves to teach and talk. And I think I'm the same way. Kat's the same way. Um, so overall... Like in your well, opinion. yeah, and that's what I want to get to is because, Kat, you can brag this up a little bit better because Mark, uh, you and your dad, you know, you've built a lot of this from the ground up. So it could be kind of hard, like you said, even your own perspective. You're just used to it. Yeah, she's seen this since, gosh, 2017, Four I think. Four and a half, five years now. So you come in, yeah. but from a little bit more of an outside perspective as you join and, you know, work with everything here. Yeah. Talk about... What's so special here that that maybe they can't even see themselves because they've got their head, you know, nose to the grind, yeah. so to speak? I think that it happens so organically. Um, and even though Mark and Steve both sort of recognize, like, the value and the specialness um, of what they've built and the community that they're in, that... Um, 
it, the outside perspective is um, this doesn't really happen anywhere else. Like maybe it's just like looking at your face every day and you don't see yourself getting older and you think that you still look the same. But then, <laughs> yeah. you know, as an outside person coming in, you can sort of see that, you know, this is this is huge. This is special. It requires um, attention and yeah. investment. And in a way, I think that Mark and Steve used to be able to focus their attention and investment on sustainability and water quality. You're almost a, like you are two fisheries biologists that now have a restaurant and a farm and hordes <laughs> of employees and interviews and emails and um, yeah, all the things that I'm not good at. What are we doing tomorrow? <laughs> a hearing <laughs> for the array, um, you know, and that is you now have a fully going concern that requires your attention to build that. Um, and what actually brought the business to this place is the investment, um, you know, of Steve and Jeff Menzies and Mark and yeah. the family. You know, the last 30 years has has had a different, I would say a different focus, but there's been, we've had more resources focused on that because this, this restaurant and this farm didn't yeah. exist at the capacity that it currently exists at. So I've come in as sort of extra bandwidth for the, the community outreach and sustainability component. Um, so Mark and Steve and I work together to sort of create these visions. Um, but but you, my you, focus is not on the restaurant. Yeah. My focus is really on farm sustainability, community yeah. watershed, and bringing all these things together. And you're from Canada, and that's your background is as a biologist as well. I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a terrestrial biologist, so I focus mostly on plants and soils, horticulture. Um, and because oysters are a sessile creature... Um, there are uh, like a completely mirrors oh, growing oysters mm-hmm. almost completely mirrors um, the the technical steps um, for a lot of what I have done. I've worked yeah. in I work in reclamation primarily land reclamation, but also watercourse reclamation. Uh, we work with a lot of communities on um, you know how they would like to see their their land restored and and what we need to be able to do that and and bringing in community resources to help support that so that there's ownership yeah. for that um, end result. And and I I see that Blaine really values their their watershed, mm-hmm. um, the habitat, the wildlife habitat, the fisheries, aquaculture. Um, but sometimes when we leave those environments, we don't understand that some of the activities or actions that we um, do in our own lives can have negative impacts on those things that we value outside of that. Right, so it's sure. trying to make those connections. And I don't really believe in sort of, you know, winners and losers. I think that we can all sort of get what we want. I like this non-zero-sum game theory where, like, yeah. nobody really has to give up anything. We just sort of have to understand the connections. Um, and once we do that, we can make different choices. Yeah, it's it's collaborating you know it's collaboration as an entire community to make something happen you know that's not entirely untrue for a farmer i mean I, there's a more direct immediate impact mm-hmm. when you're farming with the water in yeah. the in drayton harbor here if somebody screws up up yeah. in the watershed yeah. you, you're gonna you're gonna feel it right away mm-hmm. if a farmer if a farmer is applying manure at the wrong time or too much or in the wrong way not following their nutrient management plan boom you are you have a big problem here quickly but on land really even though the impact may not be as immediate or as obvious Mm -hmm. there are so many of those connections too between communities and different land uses and urban Mm -hmm. areas and you know stewarding our watersheds we're all in this together it's a very fluid environment and to be able to sort of manage and track and trace it's it's not really doable so we sort of all have to 
um, do our part because we're not necessarily going to be able to track. You know, right now we're seeing elevated um, fecal coliforms in the in the harbor, but we don't really know why that is. They could be coming from many different sources. Right. So, um, you know, trying to sort of increase or improve the water quality of the bay without necessarily pointing fingers right. is really really important because well, we don't fight. know why. Because yeah. we don't <clears throat> want to fight because we all really want yeah. good water quality. We yeah. want you know everyone to succeed in what they're investing in. We don't want to hold anyone back. Um, but we can have seen um, that you know, this industry really also supports the community as well. Yeah, it's it's so critical though to have like so everything that she's saying there. You know, um, my dad might have spoken about this too. But all of a sudden we're able to deal with engage rather <clears throat> with such a broad customer base from you know a ton of the locals. Right, like this is yeah. a local hangout spot. People come down yeah. here on any sunny day, and, and you're watching, you're meeting your neighbors, you know, over beers and oysters. Yeah. So um, we have the ability to reach so many folks within our community. Like city council comes down here, you right. know, and sits down with us <laughs> and talks. Um, and it's because we've created this place to celebrate yeah. this product, right? Mm-hmm. So without without the restaurant component, how do how do you even go about doing that? That, and my that dad's, is an excellent. My dad's point. stories are, you know, back in the day, it was you'd invite people throughout the community to, you know, I went to one when I was younger. It was grilling oysters in a parking lot of a church somewhere, you know, and we're reaching right. out to all the local community. We got like six people, yeah. right? Like how many people do There's we deal with on a Saturday now? Thousands. So, uh, and if we have the ability, which gets harder and harder as we get busier and busier, but if we have the ability for, you know, to take me off of the shucking knife, if you will, or, or have Cat <laughs> in here not dealing with other, other problems, but being able to engage with our customers and man, like you sit down with folks and you, you tell them about what we do and, and the problems and you have their ear in a heartbeat again because they've got this product in front of them that they don't want to lose and all of a sudden yeah. they realize like, oh shoot, there's there's a lot of issues that oyster yeah. farming has to deal with and it's really cool to get people to realize that um, because then they go and talk about it. They're your allies. They're telling you if they see their neighbors doing something sketchy up right. on the creek. Right. You know, I've had that happen. Um, because they care They and yeah. it's not just a political mm-hmm. point. It's yeah. like Life, it's food, yeah. families, community. Mm-hmm. By the way, this is the farming show. Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI. We're talking about farming oysters here at the Drayton Harper Oyster Company. We've been talking with Kat Guerra, Mark Seymour, uh, who are with me right now. That retail element, it, it's one of these bootstrap problems in a way because you have to have the farm, you have to have that behind you to do the retail, you know, direct consumer, whatever it is, part. But doing that makes the other part go in some ways too. Not just moving product, but making the community understand what you're up to, supporting what you're doing rather than potentially opposing what you're doing. We see farms doing that too as they go direct to consumer and and have you know the cheese shops that we have here, the berry farms that do. That is such an important thing they've found to build that community. Not everybody can do that, though. Mm -hmm. And like you said, you just want to be the biologist and the farmer, really, in a lot of ways, growing the product. But then you've got this whole retail side to manage. Who's going to do that? And it almost becomes too much. It's like, yeah, but I mean, all of us that that you're speaking to about this just have a get up and you you wake up in the morning, you go. Yeah. It's just built on passion. (laughs) Like, you know, Kat's been involved for X amount of years and gosh, her passion probably probably exceeds mine sometimes as I get exhausted. So we can kind of help. She helps me out a ton to bring me back up when I'm low and vice versa, right? Because,
because this is such an exciting thing that we have. <clears throat> but yeah, it's a ton of work. Um, farming's a ton yeah. of work. Farming is a ton of work. Yep. And then all of a sudden you, you plug in the, the, the people part up here, you know, and deal with thousands of people. And luckily for me, I can sometimes disappear back to the water by myself <laughs> right. and just kind of chill out and get stuff done. But well, that's where a lot of people in farming, whether it's on the water or yeah. on land, are like, I just can't deal with that. Yeah. And I understand that because, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of farmers like to be out growing their crop, whatever that might be, or their animals. They don't, and they tend to be introverts yeah. more often. They just want to leave me alone and I'll do my thing. Yet this like public element, this retail element is so important to being a part of the community. That's, that can be a, you know, I know some farms, people will criticize, well, why don't you, you know, why, why, why aren't you selling this? Well, there's all these rules and I don't really know how to deal with all that. Mm-hmm. I don't have more employees and get licenses it's, and it's all. all that. Um, I mean, you guys have put in a huge amount of effort to make this happen. Yeah. And then speaking on the, like the community's growth right now, right? So Blaine is, I think Blaine's booming. Um, mm-hmm. Started to really boom before the pandemic. Pandemic slowed it down, but we've got investors in town that, you know, I think stuff is finally getting built. Um, yeah. There's cool ideas out there. Um, so then the fun topic that I like to, to bring up is, you know, we've got this teeter totter of some sorts where um, we want, you know, we want our restaurant to be busy year mm-hmm. round, you know, winter months up here, winter months in Whatcom County in general to slow down. So we want yeah. this to be busier. Um, so that requires a bigger population, right? So yeah. we've got a lot of folks to the north in BC, but Blaine's population, I think we've got a couple hundred homes or thousands, I, forget, I think thousands of homes slated to be built mm-hmm. in the next couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, so all of a sudden our population, like, cool, that's that's a bigger hiring pool. That's a bigger customer base, but um, which is great, right? But if you look at it from the farming perspective and the water quality perspective, it's really, really scary. Because yep. um, all of a sudden we're talking about... Tenuous. <laughs> yeah. So, so like, yeah. population Storm goes water up. water pollution. Urbanization goes up. Water yep. quality... Is is not going to get yeah. better, you know, unless yeah. we really have our finger on the pulse, unless we can really solve this, and and that's something that Catherine and um, a lot of agencies within Whatcom County are, are trying to spearhead to really solve yeah. these problems. But it's been it's been like that for twenty thirty years. Well, right? agencies, nonprofits, mm-hmm. businesses, farms, individuals have put in so much work to get oh, the bay man. back open yeah. from where it was Gosh. in the early nineties mm-hmm. to today. Yeah. But that's gonna, like you're saying, it's gonna have to continue. There's more work to be done, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of that work that it's not like well it's just done you got to continually do that to keep things going but i i still think this retail portion of it and again it's taken so much work i know to make this a reality Mm -hmm. but it's so important to the future of that it's because suddenly the platform well and then people have all for people moving here you have to realize if you're moving to this community if you're one of the families moving Mm -hmm. to one of these new homes this is part of this community and we have this harbor here you have this restaurant you love Love it, but if you're living here, you gotta you're on the team then. Yeah, here's yeah. something that, that we're gonna it. try to bring on board this Catherine's idea that, that man, we're hoping we can really unleash it here in the next couple of months, but something called a watershed Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wanna speak to that? Um, I, well I don't know if your your listeners have ever heard of something called green drinks. Um, yep. it's yep. an international coalition of people who like to drink beer yep. and uh, and just chat about things that are you know generally green and it's yep. apolitical um, there's like very rarely an agenda it can kind of be whatever the community wants it to be um, so we've taken um, that idea and we'd like to bring it to the watershed as a watershed Wednesday where we can host um, members of the community, everyone from the community who just wants to come and you know meet their neighbors. What's important to you? Is there anything that we can work on together? Here, yeah. have some oysters. Just <laughs> a confluence, again, for members of the watershed to connect yeah. and understand each other um, because... 
this is a this is a fabulous meeting point. It's a fabulous platform. And like you said, like the oysters just really bring everything full circle. They are kind of the embodiment of um, all of the energy and efforts that have been put in in the last. 30 years um, and that is an incredible success story that's a model um, we need to know how to keep that maintain that together and we're almost out of time Uh, you almost want to say and I I don't I don't want this to sound snobbish but it's like if you're going to move to Blaine it's a gorgeous community Mm -hmm. do it but don't move there if you aren't serious about protecting its history and culture and protecting its watershed Mm -hmm. if you aren't serious about doing that you don't want to be on the team then don't move to Blaine yeah you you have to be a part of it and we've got you know as exodus of people move north from you know the southern states Mm -hmm. to northern Washington it's 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 those folks you know that are moving here and see cheaper homes than they're used to see Mm -hmm. a better view life on the water and and probably a little bit oblivious to the other stuff because guess what California doesn't have something so unique as right you know in Southern Mm -hmm. Cal um so it's it's, probably most people is just they don't know rather than like they don't care exactly so that's sort of the approach that we take it's not that people are intentional it's just that we like to provide the information in a way that is um, palatable and interesting and makes you want to care. Yep. Like We're not here to force anyone or create fear, but once you sort of understand the value and how important it is to the community and how important it is to you and what you can do, then that kind of creates this internal motivation to, to, to do what you just said, which is take care of the thing that you love that yep. brought you here in the first mm-hmm. place. Exactly. So that it's here for generations. Yeah, don't it's come here and ruin the thing yeah. that you came here mm-hmm. for. And I know that's been the same mantra in farming communities that I grew up in on land for a long time, too. Lakefront communities anywhere. You can, oh, yeah. what a quaint community. And then you arrive and do all the things to make it not quaint anymore. Thank you so much for having me here for chatting on the farming show here at Drayton Harbor Oyster Company. Mark Seymour, Kat Guerra, we appreciate your time this morning. You got it. That Thanks, was awesome. Dylan. Thank you. Trust is a powerful word, but when's the last time you heard it referenced when talking about auto repair? Hi, I'm John Beebe, owner of Burlington Automotive. Woven through each of our team members is this core value, that we will deliver trusted auto repair. There is nothing less for us. Whether you're new to the area or simply looking for a new place to care for your vehicles, I assure you that Burlington Automotive will be a great choice for you. Thank you, Skagit Valley, for the many years of trusting us. Find out more about us at BurlingtonAutomotive.com. His commitment to Northwest Washington dates back five generations. Our Congressman Rick Larson. Brought up in a family of eight kids, Rick was raised with the value of hard work. The same way Rick and his wife Tia raised their own two boys. Larson understands the pressures facing families when it comes to the rising cost of living. And why he just passed the new Inflation Relief Act that starts lowering costs by reducing prescription drug prices for Washington seniors. And caps insulin costs at $35. Rick sees the big picture. That's why he just helped pass bipartisan legislation bringing semiconductor manufacturing back to America. Larson's bill eases supply chain issues and means more good-paying jobs, all while lowering prices on cars and electronics. Common sense. Practical solutions for working families and local business. That's always been Rick's approach to making a difference for growing our local economy. Rick Larson, Congress. I'm Rick Larson, and I approve this message. Paid for by citizens to elect Rick Larson. My name is Monica Mahal, and I'm a pediatrician here in Whatcom County. I'm one of over 100 local nurses and doctors voting yes for Whatcom Kids. A child's brain develops most dramatically during the first five years. The Children's Fund on our ballots expands childcare options and supports kids and families of all backgrounds, including our most vulnerable. So join me and vote yes for Prop 5, the Children's Fund. 
Paid for by Yes for Whatcom Kids, Top 5 Donors, Chuck and Health Foundation, Children's Funding Accelerator, Lydia Place, Patty Emhoff, and Imco Construction. We don't have the usual traffic jams that they have in the big city, but sometimes things happen to snarl everything up. Depend on KGMI to keep you cruising to your destination with KGMI Traffic Alerts. We'll tell you where the trouble spots are. And if you see problems on the road, give us a call at 360-676-5464 so we can spread the word. KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. A properly operating furnace will guarantee that you stay comfortable as the seasons change. Contact West Mechanical Heating, Air Conditioning, and Electric for a system inspection today at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and KGMI.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. Oh boy, here we go again. Our federal government... Going to the, and I'm using some very heavy, very sarcastic air quotes here, the quote-unquote experts uh, to uh, advise on a project that they're working on. Of course, who are they going to? Their political buddies. Um, and, and this has to do with farming and farming, you know, farm labor. And the federal government being, in this case, the United States Department of Agriculture, the USDA, um, and um, working off some reporting here in the Capitol Press this morning. Welcome back, by the way. This is The Farming Show. I'm Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI, covering issues uh, important to farming and agriculture here in Whatcom and Skagit counties and across Washington State and all over the Pacific Northwest. Um, the USDA, who do they go to uh, when they're working on possibly new rules for farm labor, for farm workers, specifically for the federal H-2A guest worker program, which we know we've talked about it so much here on, on this program. It's a lifeline for farming uh, here in Washington State and all over this country. There's so much of our food that is harvested and grown and uh, farms that are operated thanks to the support that this program uh, you know allows people to you know it's a legal stable workforce people can come to this country legally safely with great regulations and make money that then not only helps us uh, produce food here, but they, they can take that many times to their communities, and we're seeing communities in other countries change entirely because of this program. But, of course, the USDA has to get in there and say, well, we, we need to uh, adjust this, we need to do this and then that, and who do they go to to advise on this, be involved in this? An activist labor group, United Farm Workers. And so I had to get on the phone from California this morning. Uh, some A guy who, who's, amongst several others down there in California, has followed this group, United Farm Workers, UFW, for a long, long time. And some of the most egregious things you've ever heard uh, in the world of labor 
and activism have happened down in California there. Jesse Rojas with the Red Group. He's down in Bakersfield, California. He uh, is a a farm labor expert and consultant, joins us on the program. Uh, Jesse, I, I texted this link to the story to you and you said, wow. But then you said, not surprising. Explain why. Well, th- thanks, Dylan, for inviting me on. And, you know, yeah, I've been following the United Farm Workers and their affiliated organizations for, for many years down here, especially in California. And, and, you know, it's unfortunate to see now that uh, Joe Biden's in office to, to see a lot of the federal agencies weaponized just to go back to give handouts, taxpayer funded handouts and uh, way, ways to and, uh, force unionization on on an employees. And now with the USDA, I mean, it's so ironic that they can still consider the United Farm Workers as a credible organization. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at it in the last decade or so, aside from the uh, uh, labor violations and, 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 and enforcing themselves on employees through through the government, just the fact that they don't even represent 1%. I don't even know if the numbers even reach half a percent of the farm workers across the nation. They have hardly any members. There's been individuals on record saying that the United Farm Workers does not organize. Instead, they receive more petitions with the ALRB, which is the Agricultural Labor Relations Board in California. It's really the one that handles the UFW in the fields and handles yeah. union elections. You had the former chair of the ALRB even resign in anger, saying the UFW no longer organizes. We have received most petitions for people wanting to get out of the United Farm Workers of Representation. Um, you know, you, you look at what the USDA is doing with partnering with the UFW. It's also even more ironic how if you look at the background of the UFW, they've never liked or advocated for temporary workers. And the main reason is yeah. because they can't become union members. They've always, until now, with the Farm Worker Modernization Act that they've been promoting, right. uh, until then, they, they've always advocated against uh, programs such as H-2A. But now they're pretending that they're going to provide input and, and, and knowledge on this industry when they've never supported it. And no, and, and they've been out in the press for years saying awful, almost entirely untrue, fabricated you know, lies about this program, about how it abuses people. You know, and it's all about money they can get from government. And, and you know, we see United Farm Workers, and I mentioned affiliated organizations, but that's just the primary name. I mean, you still have the Dolores Huerta Foundation, which is, she's, you know, Dolores Huerta is one of the co-founders, famous co-founders of the UFW. She's done the same and she continues to do the same across California, getting into uh, either county or state funded programs for awareness. It's just money being flooded into their pockets that doesn't really achieve anything for our communities. Like you mentioned, our communities, they can benefit a lot more from all this money in affordable housing, for example. It's such a, a heart pressing yeah. To have affordable housing and, and, and many other uh, awareness and, and programs that actually matter to our Hispanic agricultural communities. But instead, they just give this money to these organizations as a as a way to help them revive themselves during the Biden administration. It's ridiculous. And, and I say that I'm not surprised because one one of the many examples was two years ago during the pandemic in 2020 in the state of California. You, you recall when there was. Uh, money given uh, to individuals, you know, during the pandemic and obviously uh, undocumented uh, immigrants did not qualify. Well, the state of California, as they usually do, they pass their own state funded uh, financial help for undocumented immigrants. I believe it was like five hundred dollars a person. Mm -hmm. Well, guess who they handed that money on that project to manage, quote unquote, manage 
and distribute the United Farm Work. And check this out. As you go back to the, you know, you know, we met because the, the history of the United Farm Workers fighting the 3,000 plus uh, Garawan farming uh, farm workers in Fresno that they were trying yeah. to get rid of the UFW. Incredible you know, story, the, by the way. Yeah, I mean, just what they did, the atrocities they did there on on freedom of choice when it, when it comes to the to deciding if you want a union. And I had individuals that contacted the UFW office just to find out about this program that they were handed. And they had, you know, they had people that told them, well, we need your information. Are you a member of the union? Before they even handed them any of the money that the state gave them to hand out. It, it's just free money to make themselves remain credible and, and, and involved in the communities. And at the end of the day, it's just a way for them to get in and, and, and for, like I said, force themselves to get yeah. members. Well, and, and as you said at the beginning, you said they're just looking, they want to, to get handouts, and it, but you're not talking about them getting handouts to help workers. You're talking about handouts to help their political buddies. Absolutely. And I saw it even not just in that example. I saw it with other uh, quasi-affiliated organizations across the state of California during the COVID pandemic. You know, a lot of counties, for example, municipalities were uh, passing uh, 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 funding for COVID awareness uh, outreach programs. And a lot of the people that get got those contracts to pass off flyers and whatnot and information were those type of similar organizations just getting money from the government to continue to fund their their their, their projects and their agenda. It's, it's ridiculous. And, you know, you even put that away. You even put the fact that they're so biased. Even if you put that to the side, just the fact that the government who has so much resources at their disposal to do research. You mean to tell me they couldn't do a simple Google search in the United Farm Workers and <laughs> have seen that it's clearly not an organization that that is independent, that has access to actual members in, in the agricultural communities? I mean, yeah. come on. I mean, you know, to add more to it, Dylan, this is an organization people forget. It's a simple Google search. They were actually, ironically, they were sued by their own employees, their own organizers twice. They lost one, uh, which was the judgment was for $1.2 million several years ago where some of their organizers sued them because, ironically, they weren't paying them the proper uh, wage and hour. They were doing <laughs> that wage theft. And intimidation of employees, all the things that they were accusing farms of doing, they, a judge found, this isn't just me accusing, a judge in California found them guilty of doing those very things to their own employees. I mean, this is the ultimate in hypocrisy. Uh, again, with us right now on The Farming Show here on KGMI, uh, Jesse Rojas down with a red group down in uh, Bakersfield, California. Uh, he uh, Again, he's been following the UFW, the United Farm Workers, for a long, long time. That's why I wanted to bring him on with uh, UFW in the headlines, stirring up a little bit of a controversy um, because, well, really it's not the UFW so much directly uh, causing the controversy it's usda our own federal government the united states department of agriculture partnering with this activist extremist group um to do something to do with the h2a program uh something to do uh, uh addressing challenges with the visa program and uh funding agriculture employers to boost health and safety standards for workers um, okay, that's all great. Where, where's where's the farming community, the farmer representation on there? And that, that was another statement on all of this from um, the American Farm Bureau Federation. 
Uh, they told the Capitol Press uh, its members are concerned that USDA has cho- uh, chosen to engage with this activist group rather than with agriculture employees um, to make something that actually works for every. I, I think everybody should have a voice. Sadly, um, you know, the farming community should have a voice and farm workers should have a voice. But if, if it's just UFW, neither they don't represent either of those. I mean, you, from what you're explaining, Jesse, UFW represents themselves and their own political and financial interests and, you know, <laughs> uh, partnerships, or, or I, I can think of uh, more derogatory terms to call them. <laughs> you, you know, Dylan, and, and one question I would have just from looking at this uh, for the USDA is, look, you're thinking about putting out a pilot program, which you don't have a lot of details to disclose yet of what this pilot program is going to entail. Well, that's public money. Did you put an RFP? Did you look at other bidders, organizations that maybe can actually offer more value? Or did you just rubber stamp it and said, hey, they're the only union, even though they only represent less than 1% of farm workers in the state in, in the United States let's just that's the only one with the f- farm name to it right let's just partner up with them without even seeing on a simple Google search all you the know, horrible you know you know I, I guess maybe I'm more cynical than that Jesse honestly I think they they know and they're buddies with them too I mean it's all part of the same game in in my cynical view um, they, th- these organizations like UFW and like we see here locally with community to community development and uh, Unidas por la Justicia, uh, Familias Unidas por, por la Justicia, uh, based out of Bellingham and Mount Vernon. I've uh, been tracking them for a long time, which, by the way, I should say, even UFW, if I recall, there have been times in the past where community to community and FUJ have been too extreme for the people that they used to partner with, you know, because these people generally are kind of on the same team of labor activism. (laughs) Community to community from Bellingham was actually too extreme even for UFW. So that shows you what we have right here in our community. All of this, um, if people know the background, this is back to the story of Cesar Chavez uh, in California, um, a group that some said, you know, had uh, noble intent at the beginning, but has entirely lost its way in the decade since uh, Rosalinda Guillen uh, was an organizer with UFW way back in the Cesar Chavez days. Um, I, from what I understand, she was acquainted with him, worked with him, um, and now she's doing her own thing up here. So it's all part of the same game we see here locally. We see on a much larger platform with UFW where it's about them. It's about their money, growing their organizations, supporting their political causes and buddies and really using the workers, farm workers, as pawns in this game to parade them around and, and say, oh, you're helping these people, when that's not the truth at all. No, it's, it's, it's really unfortunate. And I think it's going to require that we keep these organizations, these taxpayer organizations, and I'm talking about USDA yeah. and many others, accountable to their, you know, they, they're just unilaterally deciding to spend all this money um, with these organizations. There needs to be some type of accountability towards them. Absolutely. Again, Jesse Rojas is with us here on The Farming Show. I'm Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI, uh, tracking this story. Uh, here on your Saturday morning, um, the USDA partnering with the United Farm Workers, an extremist activist group, um, 
deeply documented down in California uh, to have done a lot of awful things, even in, including um, you know getting legal judgments against them. Judges deciding that they were they were discriminating against, uh, harassing, manipulating, um, providing you know hostile environment, uh, and uh, also committing wage theft against their own employees. This is a group that's supposed to look out for workers. What else is going on down there these days, uh, Jesse? It's been a while since you and I have uh, touched base. I know you have a lot of stuff going on down there. What are the big hot issues with farming and labor in California right now? Well, actually, the the, the hottest thing that just happened now is, um, you know, the UFW has also been trying to pass with the state legislature here in California for, for, for years, even dating back as, back as uh, Governor Brown before Governor Newsom. They've been trying to pass what's known as card check, which is just basically another way of them uh, forcing people into their membership. And it looks like Governor Newsom is finally going to pass their bill. And, and, and when you read a lot of language of the bill, it completely strips any left right that, you know, uh, farm workers have. I mean, the bill goes as far as mandating, you know, mail ballots for union elections. We can pick up the ballots mm. from farm workers' homes, help them fill it out. Yeah, there's no, and there's not going to be any corruption there. I mean, of course not. No, because on. we can already trust that. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievable. It's, it's really sad what's happening. And by the way, this is USDA, but since the Biden administration, I mean, do you look at the NLRB, right? The National Labor Relations Board. We're looking at a lot of the most recent union elections. I mean, you, the, the biggest on the Wall Street Journal this week was Starbucks basically taking legal action, ironically, obviously, right? Starbucks, right. but taking legal action saying that the NLRB has been weaponized as well and has been illegally assisting or tilting the scales to help unions uh, win elections in mail ballots. Yeah. Well, wow, what a surprise when it's also packed with nothing but pro-union and big labor advocate yep. and it's not yep. balanced as well from the other sides it's it's nuts and it's it's a systemic problem with the labor movement sadly and a lot of people say you're just so anti-union they can't stand it and here's what i'm anti i am if if a group of workers wants to legitimately organize follow the rules not intimidate anyone, not doing anything illegal, and a majority of workers all following the rules decide they want to unionize, that is great. I support yep. that. Yep. But, but that's not what I'm against. All the time I get, you know, ripped for being anti-union. No, it's just really hard to find, you know, sadly, maybe it's just because they're not in the news. And I know that there are plenty of good, quote-unquote, good unions out there. But the ones that are getting the attention so often are having to maintain their their grip on the money that they're able to take out of workers' paychecks every month by intimidation, by lies, by pressuring people, and in some cases, outright illegal activity. And, and that is not legitimately representing workers. And that is not union. And so it's not, I'm not anti-union. I'm anti-corruption, and that's what we're seeing. So it's sad that that movement has to resort to that so often. Jesse Rojas with the Red Group down in Bakersfield, California. I mean, it's, it's important for us, you know, because we usually focus on Washington State here on the program and what I do, maybe a little Oregon or Idaho. Not a lot of California, but it's important to follow California because, sadly, our governor in our state, some in leadership in our state, just want so badly to be just like California. And, and as California I, goes, 
so will Washington right on its heels. And I have to say, Dylan, a state like yours in Washington, yeah, you really need to look at California as a model to not follow. <laughs> you know, history is bound to repeat itself. You look at how yep. much they've burned themselves out of California UFW. That's why they're looking yep. to change things in states like yours, Oregon, New York, Florida. They're going somewhere yep. else where they can get a piece of the pie. And it's important that at this stage, before it gets as bad as California has gotten in the last decade or so, this is the right time to hold your local elected officials, your local government bodies accountable. You're exactly right on. We're out of time. I appreciate it so much. Uh, on the phone with us from, from Bakersfield, California this morning, Jesse Rojas with the Red Group. We really appreciate your time and your focus on this. And, and yeah, folks, follow, pay attention to what's going on in California. Thank you, Dylan.